Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Cunley. I am Elle Walsh. I am a chalk artist here in Charlotte and an aspiring muralist. And I've got four kids, a husband, four cats, a dog, and I hail from New York. Yay, no, New York. <laughs> in a full um, house, sister. Woo. Yeah, it's a little crazy in my house, but uh-huh. it's manageable. And uh-huh. I kind of feel better with a lot of busyness in my life and a lot of idle time. So yeah. So you've always been a creative. When did chalk become the preferred medium? Actually, I'm more of a musician. I kind of grew up, I was like a total band geek, played clarinet. Then I switched to flute, learned like classical piano growing up. So, and I love coloring and my mom's an artist. I just never really went down the art route until COVID hit. So this is all new to me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like my COVID like hidden quarantine talent thing that kind of came out. And it's it's insane. My mom's an artist and she's writing a book right now. And I always want to be a writer. And she's like, how ironic that you're doing the art thing and I'm doing the writing thing. I'm like, I know it's completely crazy. That is so interesting. I would have never known that this was. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That's that's awesome. Thank you for that. But it is all in the creative space. Music, it's music, all I feel like it's art, all the same okay. part of your brain that like fuels music and art and just being creative in general, like you know, just thinking differently than other people in a good way. Right. And it seems like you found a really cool community of other artists that totally vibe really you. yeah, it's been really awesome. Even on Instagram, I feel like I found a lot of supporters and people that are rooting for me. And you know, some Charlotte creatives have been really cool and welcoming. And you know, obviously I'm still kind of getting my feet wet, but it's been a real fun experience and I've gotten to meet so many awesome people and gotten some traction in the community and it's been really cool. It's very surreal. And I want, I want to pinch myself because I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this and people pay me to do what I love. And I think that's just such an amazing thing. I mean, that's hashtag goals, you know, right. I mean, that's what they say. Do something you same love. To you, never... right? I mean, you're, you're doing what you love and you're getting paid for it. That's the American dream. So it doesn't I'm feel like work. Grateful. Yeah, no, it sure doesn't. So you and I wanted to talk about COVID specifically, and I know a few long haulers, but have not really gotten to dig in deep with them about what that means and how it impacts mental health and the whole person. And so what can you tell us first just about your story and your experience and your family's experience with the dreaded COVID? Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to say I'm self-diagnosed long hauler. I think they say like after six months, if you still have lingering symptoms, you qualify. With me, it's been nine. I got it right right before Super Bowl. And I was really safe, wore a mask, didn't go out to restaurants, wasn't going to holiday parties, hadn't seen my family in over a year. So I think that alone was really, I was really kind of upset about that because I had really tried my best to not get exposed. But regardless, I got it. My two older kids got it. And my husband actually ended up getting it. And I think I got it from him because he said he had felt off, but not enough to really get tested. He got tested after I got tested and he was positive. So that was like, you know, three to four weeks in quarantine, trying to make sure my younger kids didn't get it, which thankfully they didn't. Wow. So that in itself was 
that was interesting. But I like immediately got hit the hardest. And I mean, there were three days I didn't, I mean, I was practically crawling to the bathroom. I lost eight pounds. Uh, I lost my taste and smell, I think day four or five. And I had to force myself to eat because obviously you have to eat. And, you know, between that and drinking water and, and whatnot, it was, it was a little rough and I'm prone to like panic attacks. So COVID like completely exacerbated that. And one really unique symptom, which I haven't heard anyone else say, like it started with like cold symptoms, but mm-hmm. one unique thing that happened was when I would inhale deeply, it almost felt like when you go outside in the winter and that, that cold crispness in your lungs kind of, that's like the first thing that I noticed. I'm like, this is weird. Like, I feel like I've, I've been like sucking on menthol, like breath mints or something. Like uh-huh. it was this weird, cold kind of feeling. And I'm like, I wish I had known right uh-huh. away that that's what it was, but that was kind of one really unique symptom that I had. You're right. I've not heard that. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of wild. And it was like intermittent congestion. It wasn't like I had full on cold and I had like, my nose would be running for a little bit and then totally stop mm-hmm. and then would run like three hours later. So it was like a cold, but different. But the worst part of it for me was my head felt like it was like 30 pounds and I literally literally only got relief by laying on my side with my head down. Mm-hmm. I couldn't watch TV. I really was, I think on my phone for less than like 20 minutes a day, my eyes were watery and my eyes actually like hurt kind of like behind, like almost like horrible sinus pressure. And then when I was going to sleep at night, it was like full panic mode. Like, you know, you start thinking all the things when you're a mom, like, of course. am I going to wake up? Am I, is my oxygen level going to go below whatever? Am I going to have to go to the hospital? You don't want to go to the hospital. Should I be pronating right now? And dealing with that is, yeah, when you're already anxious is not easy, but I found relief in sleeping in a really cold room. So mm-hmm. I went from sleeping in probably like a 70 degree room to, I think I was like 67 mm-hmm. that helped breathe. And then um, also sleeping upright helped. But But after 10 days, I I was better-ish. But what wasn't better is my sense of taste and smell. The worst part is I have, you know, these lingering effects. And, you know, I'm not trying to be on a soapbox or anything. But for that reason alone, people should get vaccinated. Because I wouldn't want to go through that again. If I had the vaccine, I would not want to get as sick as I did. And to be not able to enjoy food. I keep trying things. I I keep thinking there's a connection between like, you know, like your brain's going to remember what it used to taste like, and maybe it'll kind of kick it in. You know, I put on extra COVID weight because of it, but yeah, it's like dairy tastes like it's everything tastes like it's like two days past due. So like dairy tastes like rotten. Like I used to eat coconut milk yogurt. It tastes horrendous to me now. Fruit tastes like it's rotten. Even meat like smells and tastes a little rancid. So it's like, it's crazy. But like I said, I'm eating obviously, but yeah. everything that I remember, like, I, I feel like I'm losing that. And it's, it makes me really sad that I, I don't remember what a strawberry really tastes like anymore. I think that really is sad. I just want to stay with that for a minute because it may seem kind of simple, but it's really not. I mean, we have such a connection with our senses, with all of our senses and with, you know, memories and food and, you know, so many things around food that to, yes. to not have that is a real loss. It is right. It's like almost the loss of the way I used to be and trying to come to terms with the way things are now. And, you know, I miss being able to have a cookie and have it taste like a cookie and, right. and fruit tasting like the way it's supposed to taste. But again, I feel lucky. People have serious lung issues, heart issues, way more serious issues than I have. So I feel blessed in that way, but I still feel like I've been robbed of something I probably didn't have to be robbed of. And then not to know what the prognosis is for any of that, right. that uncertainty right. it must right. feel awful too. Exactly. And I just feel like, you know, I think we've all been in this, me especially, I've been in this like fight or flight kind of mode 
cortisol levels, I'm sure, are still through the roof, and that doesn't help with things. And it is the uncertainty. Like, we just don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people that it's 18 months out, and they still don't have their smell and taste. So I don't know what's going to happen. I might right. not ever taste things again the way they should. I mean, I hope I do, but I don't know for now, you know, at this moment, what's going to happen. So it's a little daunting, but it mm-hmm. is what it is. So yeah, so it's like a radical acceptance around that, that yeah, this totally. is the way it is and that you, right. you don't want to lose that. I no hope. Choice, right. I have no choice. I have to live in this moment and mm-hmm. do the best I can for now. And I would imagine that, yeah, that the panic was exacerbated because of the mental oh load of all the things, Absolutely. but then even just the breathing. I mean, I just think about yes. physiologically shallow breathing and how that can even just trigger panic in and of itself. And you have Absolutely. that in your chest. Yeah. Especially at night, because and I still have this, this is another lingering effect that I have. Whenever I lay down, I have like, like a racing heart. So the racing heart kind of, you know, sometimes it starts fueling your thoughts and you start thinking, yeah, I don't know, you know, like, am I going to be able to go to sleep? And my sleep is not the best either, but I'll take it. Yeah. It's been crazy. It's really crazy. So what do you do to try to ground and practice that acceptance and care for yourself instead of just spinning out, which I'm Um, sure you do sometimes too. Yeah, I do deep breathing. Like I said, being in a cold room helps. If Mm -hmm. I'm really starting to feel like me spiral, sometimes getting up, walking around, distracting my brain. Maybe I watch the Dodo, watch some animal rescue videos for a few Mm -hmm. minutes. It kind of gets my mind off the panic, drinking cold water, Mm -hmm. sometimes even stepping outside and breathing deep helps. And then worst case scenario, there's always a melatonin, which I will take if I'm having trouble falling asleep. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I've found some coping mechanisms that, that have helped Right. Most of the time I can get it figured out. Sometimes it doesn't work, but yeah, most of the time I'm covered. Yeah. And does the art help too, just during the day as that soul care? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is, it is such a savior for me. I tell people it's the only time of the day that my mind is not racing. I'm really completely focused and everything in my brain just kind of goes away. And it's really, it's such a blessing that I have this. It really clears my head and I can be highly focused on this and not think about anything, not have a care in the world, except for creating, which is, which is really beautiful. It sounds so meditative. (laughs) It is. No, it it, it absolutely is. How do you talk to your kids and your family about all of this and the uncertainty? Um, Did any of them have long symptoms? No. I mean, my son, my oldest son says some things taste a little off. He probably got the sickest next to me. And then my daughter said she's fine. Initially she lost taste and smell, but it came back. And then my husband, like, you know, you never would have known he was sick. He got super lucky. I know it's so crazy. Four people in a family yeah. and it hit us all different symptoms. Wow. Like one of them had a fever. I never had a fever. It's just, it's a crazy virus. And uh, I know, what are you going to do? But um, everyone's been supportive. I talk to my mom pretty much every day and mm-hmm. she's ultra supportive too. So I've got a you know, plenty of people that are looking out for me. And even during the process, like I documented everything on Instagram and Facebook because I wanted everyone to know this is what it is. This is how it's hitting me. And it's just really important that people share their truths about this because information is power. So the more people know what's going on and what can happen to you, you know, more accurate information is getting out there. And I think that's just so critical right now. Agree. And I know it, it, does it feel sometimes hard to not get stuck in that anger? <laughs> yeah, it, it is frustrating. I'm sure if you see in my posts sometimes, you know, the fact that, you know, the masking and, and the anti-vax and everything, it is, it's extremely frustrating, but at the end of the day, we can only control ourselves. And, you know, I've kind of gone a little extreme and I've kind of cut people out of my life that don't necessarily agree with me on these points. And it is what it is, but I feel I'm living my truth. Mm -hmm. by surrounding myself with like-minded people. And I'm 
really fine with that. So it's been kind of, it's kind of a weight lifted in a way to mm-hmm. kind of, right. It, it kind of purging these layers that aren't necessary. So it's, it's, I'm lighter. I'm definitely lighter in, in yeah. light of everything else. It's crazy, but yeah. I mean, and I think that's what ultimately kind of has to come from such dissonance is the tension has to break somehow. And Absolutely. so there, there are those of us that then have just found that permission to let it go, mm-hmm. to stop trying to turn it into something. It's not to stop engaging, right. to set boundaries, right. Right. to protect right. ourselves and our energy. And that's what that sounds like. I think that that's a great practice anyway for humans, Absolutely. Right. but especially right. around something so personal. Absolutely. And I, it took me a lot to kind of come to that point, but I think now, I don't know, it had to be done. I think I was so stressed out about things and people, and I just had to, something had to give and my mental health obviously is more important than mm-hmm. making everybody happy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> something had to give and that was it. So it's, it's been good. It's yeah. been, in, a, in a strange way, it's been good. You know, COVID is the first time in our generations that we've all understood the connection of physical and mental health so well, collectively, right. well, m- most right. of us, that we were walking through this thing together. We were all struggling on some, even if they were different struggles to some extent. Absolutely. So yeah. it's been just an interesting part of the conversation around that, that and I think that's part of what's helping with the stigma around mental health, that these things right. are both components of health, period. Absolutely. And a living example of, you know, having to tend to both, there's really no choice and they impact each other. Yeah, you have to. Absolutely. They're all wrapped up into one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have, can't really have one without the other. So. Right. And this is where the stigma just drives me, you know, bonkers because it is just, I do want people to understand the interconnectedness and how it is all part of our whole selves. So just having this story and, and again, in a way, everybody, again, people care about COVID um, to some extent. So I feel like being able to put this story out there helps people connect with those levels like we're talking about. And hopefully we'll help people, you know, take it seriously if they're not, right. have sympathy, you know, regardless that those of you that we're not just, you know, in the clear. Right. We're not in the clear. It's still hitting people. I mean, I think 700,000 people have died. Like, it's not a joke and we need to continue to do what the people in charge are saying that we need to be doing to keep as many people as possible safe. Because I know I don't want my grandmother getting sick or my son that has diabetes or my son that's not yet vaccinated. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to do whatever I can to keep everybody else safe and people in my family. And I, I implore everyone to do the same because we are in this world together and we can't do it without more people participating mm-hmm. and, and understanding this is for the common good. This is not, we're not being selfish or crazy or we're not drinking Kool-Aid. We really just want everyone to be safe mm-hmm. and we want people to live. <laughs> I mean, that's it. We want you to live. I, I wouldn't wish death or anyone to be intubated on my worst enemy. So we are on the same team. Like we've yes. got to figure out a way to make everybody else think that we are, we're here for everybody. Yeah. We want everyone to live. That's really it. It's really that simple. (laughs) It is that simple. It's that simple. So Mm -hmm. I hope what I've shared might, maybe I'll change one person's mind. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but that's the goal. And I also just, again, you know, as a therapist that grief looks different than sometimes people think. And so grief 
I think a lot of, we know a lot of threads of grief have been woven into COVID. And, and so hearing your story too, that it's, you know, the loss of not just taste and smell and all the things that that represents, but just the worry and the time and the stress and the things that you're missing out on. And like, all of us can relate right. to some of these things. And so Absolutely. Un- understanding Absolutely. it as grief and being able to care for ourselves then around that and care for each right. other. That's another yes. big part of the story too, that really resonates with me. So I hope that you can continue to find hope and optimism and grounding in the uncertainty. And that's sort of the, like you said, the best we can wish for at this point. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing Elle. Of course. Anytime I'm happy to spread my truth and, and, you know, hopefully help someone else out there or validate someone else out there that might be feeling like they're not being heard. You know, there are, there's a lot of stories of people suffering from long COVID and just having had COVID, you know, I feel like that's a connector as well. You know, right. So and that sometimes that carries a, um, in the beginning, there was such shame around that for people who got it. Absolutely. First, I was a little shameful too, I, but I'm like, you know what? I literally did everything I could. And that was the whole point. I did everything I could and I still got it. So if I can get it, so can you. Uh-huh. And why, if there's something in place now that could prevent you from getting it or not getting it, the extreme that I had it to me it's very logical I would want to do that but I digress yes, yes. yeah no thank you and you guys go her Instagram is CLT chalk art and you will be you know blessed with some beautiful art and some oh, truth some truth so bombs in their stories so yes yes I try to I, I try to break it up a little a little truth a little history a little a little fun a little Dr. Seuss or something thrown in there too for good effect so yeah it's great. Thank you Thank for taking you. the time. Thanks. I no, of it. course. I appreciate the platform and you have a fabulous day. You too. Have a good weekend. TGIF. Bye. Bye. So who are you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep. I go to therapy. 